episode 52 of Gaming MBS. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop a podcast about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. I can't talk. And for those of you joining us new, hello and welcome. Yeah. For those of you that have joined us on Blab this evening, we're doing this. We're doing a live recording on a new video chat platform, Blab.im, as in Mary. And, little Twitter uh, extension. Yeah, all you need cool. is a Twitter account. So I, I let Misdirected Mark know, and uh, we'll see if Chris and Phil like this format uh, better or worse. Who knows? I don't know. See how it goes. Yeah. So uh, and and so for the folks that in the chat that have joined us recently in the chat room and everything, um, and those that are listening that will be listening to the recording, we may do this in the future. We may not. We're just giving this a go to see how it works, how the sound is. Um, if it brings up a level of interactiveness that we're looking for, who knows how it goes. But anyways, the reason I bring that up is because if we do it in the future, those that will be rec- uh, listening to the recording later, um, we will post links to, um, I think Google plus Facebook, Twitter, um, for you folks to know, but we record every Sunday at seven o'clock central U S time. Then, uh, if we decide not to, well, then we don't, um, uh, not a big deal. Those that are in blab that join us, um, we're probably not going to do a typical blab where people are, you know, people are kind of rotated in to voice their opinions or feedback or anything like that. It's just Brett and I doing a recording, got a chat room open. You're all welcome to interact with each other, um, and kind of go, go from there. So, uh, we don't mean to be rude, but of course, all we need to do is like be recording a podcast for people to listen to audio, you know, the audio version later. And we're kind of going back and forth to people in the video chat room and kind of like what's going, you know, it just seems disjointed if you listen to the show down the road. Kevin, uh, Kevin demands a, a MySpace account. So we're going to have to get one of those going. Uh, well, that's, that's great. All right, so let's get into uh, so let's get let's get going, shall we, man? Let's do it. We have a show to do, man. All let's right. do. So announcements. Uh oh, yes, announcements. I have one. Should I go? You should totally go. All right, man. So announcements. Game hole attendees flying in for the con. Now I mentioned this a few shows ago. Uh, if you're flying into Madison, Wisconsin for Game Hole Con. Uh, in November five, uh, six, seven, and eight, and you've registered. So registration went live. Just this weekend, yesterday. Yesterday, yes. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't registered, I'm sure it's still open. Go and what are you do? You know what are you doing here? Go and register for your events. Absolutely. If you're flying in and you're a fan of the show and you are not a crazy axe wielding psychotic uh, axe serial killer, axe murderer, um, let me know and I will uh, pick you up at the airport. Give me some notice on when you're coming in. It's got to be Madison. I'm not driving to Milwaukee or Chicago to pick you up. Um, but let me know, give me advance warning and tell me if you got like 5,000 bags and it's not going to fit my car and you're going to need a U-Haul or whatever, but uh, you yeah, know. Sean's rates, Sean's rates are very reasonable for this type of service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, it's probably about, you know, 50 bucks a mile and it's, you know, <laughs> nice. the con you're looking at probably eight miles. So it's, you know, very affordable. 
So, got, so you're offering nice to be nice and pick up fans of the show and those who are going to game, going to game hole, pick them up for free and drag them over to their hotel and yep. so on. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Uh, announcement number dose. We are, uh, we have a Patreon that is now live. Um, we said it in episode 50 that we'd have it dropped and live. So if you, for those that are supporting the show, thank you so much. If you want to consider supporting the show, we have a, we'll put a link in the show notes to our Patreon account. It's patreon.com forward slash gaming NBS. Um, it'll help, um, offset some costs of ours and we'll kick in a couple rewards at certain levels that you might find amusing or interesting. Um, but yeah, I discovered that my wife actually chipped in at the Patreon because her, uh, her statement, I think was, this will keep you off the streets and out of my hair for a couple hours every week. So to her, it was worth a buck every episode just to keep me out of her hair and locked in my cave for a while. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, she, she must be Brett's biggest fan. I think that is the moniker she used when she signed up. Yes. So that was cool. I'm chop liver. I'm well, just, just doesn't like you as much. I, well, she definitely doesn't like me enough to marry me or which is good. Cause I'd fucking shoot you anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> carry that's, on. Uh, you outside the picture, right? I'm saying, like, Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you mean the picture? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. We're know. done talking about this. Cause it's just gonna make me mad. All right. Do you get riled <laughs> up on that stuff? Don't you, man? All right. <laughs> no, let's do this. Hey, all right. Let's get into, uh, let's get into random encounter. Shall we? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Jesus, man. Button push. Random Encounter is a segment of the show where we go to emails, voicemails, and comments from social media to include Facebook, Twitter, and Google Pluses, amongst other things. We happen to get a voicemail from Joe, which I will play here in just a second. If I can get it ready here. We're kind of fumbling through this thing, aren't we? That's okay. Well, I mean, like we said, brand new, trying to figure out how we're going to run this, what we're going to do with it. So rock and roll, man. All right, here we go. Hey, this is Joe. I'm a fan of the show. I was listening to Bonus BS3 because, well, I'm always about 20 to 30 episodes behind at times. And I just want to point out that, well, you said doo-doo. That's right. A 32-year-old laughing at you saying doo-doo. That's all. Keep up the good work, guys. All right. So, yeah. Um, what can we... So, there you go. I mean, what, vo- quality voicemail. It's that type of class that Sean and I bring to the airwaves. That's where we... That's right. Doo-doo, doo-doo, doo, doo-doo. I'll tell you what, though, that that's Joe Swick. He's a he's a regular commenter on our Google Plus community and such. And Joe's a stand-up dude. Not only did he sell me some uh, D&D 5e Druid spell cards at a cut-rate price and ship them to me for next to nothing, but he's also a scholar and a gentleman and a soon-to-be new father. So thank you, Joe, for calling in. Was that Joe Swick, though? It's got to be Joe. Was it Joe? It's got to be Mr. Swick. I don't know if it was Joe Joe Swick or Joe somebody else. I apologize. Nah, Let sure us know. Email. It's the. It's got to be the Swick. It's got to be. I don't know if it sounded like the pro wrestling announcer voice that I was always used to. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I think. Oh, yeah. You want to take the next one? Yes. Uh, our last episode was episode 51. We talked about weirdness, different types of weirdness in RPGs. Excuse me. Kind of talking about like the um, Lamentation of the Flame Princess, Dungeon Crawl Classics, that type of thing. Even hearkening to a couple other bits and pieces. We happen to have Alex Kammer, uh, the director from Gamehole, on with us when we bantered a little bit around that. <clears throat> so Nathan Panke comes back and says, firstly, I think there's a big difference between weird and gonzo. Weird games tend to lean towards the horror genre. Uh, Weird West equals Western plus undead, demonic creatures, and infernal slash outer plane beings corrupting the mundane world and its inhabitants, etc. Gonzo, on the other hand, leans towards the goofy and the bizarre. White Plume Mountain, Funhouse Dungeon, 
uh, anomalous subsurface environments, robots, holograms, uh, circus dungeon level, Gygax's dungeon lands, Alice in Wonderland, that type of thing they did. We talked about that a bit on that on that episode. Our clear examples with elements added for comedic shock, awe, and just plain what the fuckness. Lamentation of Flame Princess is weird in its presentation, but only Gonzo in a few of its modules at best, where Dungeon Crawl Classics would be both weird and Gonzo, depending on who ran it. I can totally see that. As I've said before, I haven't played DCC. I've only read it. But the folks like Sean I've talked to and other folks I know who are fairly fanatical about it, they uh, kind of borderline the Gonzo and the weird based on Mr. Uh, Ponke's definition here. Appendix N, which is the old appendix from the back of the original Dungeon Master's Guide for AD&D that Guy Guys put together, had both of these types of books in its list. So uh, uh, Mr. Ponke goes on. Everything from Vance's strange post-apocalyptic science fantasy to, well, Alice in Wonderland are stated as D&D's major influences. And players were generally, uh, were generally expected to read these works to understand where the game is rooted and how its founders play it. Heck, just look at D&D uh, Zero E's LLB Wilderness Encounter Table, and um, you have androids and Martians, um, uh, green with Medusa and Ankeg. Um, all, all that to say, I like my Reese's Warm with toasted marshmallows and graham cracker. <laughs> nice. Uh, one of these days, I'll give full gaming stories about my Gonzo slash weird sci-fi 5e game. So I like that definition, the difference between, and we hadn't pulled that apart when we discussed it with Alex, but kind of the Gonzo versus weird. And I think I was leaning more towards the Gonzo end of that description or definition than the weird version of, um, of weirdness as we were talking about. Sean, do you have any thoughts on that or? Yeah, I got into a discussion with, um, spirit of 77 on Twitter. Um, I I don't, I don't think that's exactly their handle. Um, they do a gonzo game. So they listened to the episode and were like, Hey, I don't know if we are weird or what have you, because it really takes like the tropes of, um, that year and, and like turn, they turn it up to 11. So it's all, you know, Dukes of Hazard and, um, Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. So if you do spirit of 77 RPG, you, you just by the cover of it, you'll kind of get an idea of kind of how wacky it is. And I say wacky in an affectionate way. Well, I think the cool, I should say cool. Uh, well, maybe I should say cool, but anyway, Nathan, Nathan's description. I think there's definitely two different ways to handle kind of the weird in, in one way or another in your RPG. And it's kind of interesting to see the different variations of the gonzo versus the, the strange, Right. So we've got another one here. You want to read Chad's or do you want me to keep going? Uh, yeah, let me, can I, t- can I take a shot, man? Do it. Try it. Let's see how we can do. All right. Dude. Go, man. Go. All right. Put me in, coach. You ready to play? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. All right. Uh, Chad Knight writes uh, regarding episode 51 in our weirdness episode. Weirdness in RPGs. I love it. The more weirdness, the better. When I run, I have no problems mashing genre. In fact, Sean Kelly, I encourage it. I ran a D20 game that the only rule the players had to follow was that the play, that the character they made was from a D20 game. I had characters from D&D, superheroes, not sure of the game, awesome, uh, Wheel of Time, etc. It was a blast. Even though at times it was hard to reconcile weapons and such, I had a blast as I think the players did. Making Make it weird. Make your players have to think that's why we do this, to solve problems. So if you're carrying a broadsword and you go through a portal and then someone's firing laser weapons at you, figure it out. 
I'm a huge COC fan, um, and that is chock full of weirdness. COC, Call of Cthulhu for those that aren't familiar. Uh, bring it, bring it, make my brain hurt. The more time I spend with my head in my hands and going home with a headache, the more I will enjoy it. Well, I, I, Chad plays in my games, and I, I can say that it, it is fun to watch him crying softly into his hands as he weeps. With a headache. It's, it's nice. And he enjoys that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Okay. He always comes back. He always comes back. One caveat to that is fucking riddles. I hate riddles. I never use them and hate uh, and I hate when they are used, mostly because I suck at riddles. Anyways, I think weirdness should be part of the role-playing experience, and I try to throw a little weirdness in everything I run. And as a lot of DMs know, I try to throw it in their games, too. There's an interesting thing that Chad brings up there, and I think this might be a topic for another show, is that player versus character. We've, ta- we've touched on this before, but I do think some of the what he's talking about, and I think some of the stuff that, well, I know some of the stuff that Nathan was talking about earlier, kind of harken to the OSR, that original stuff. And a lot of it was player specific. You know, you, you had a, you got a trap, you've got lasers and broadswords and weirdness occurring. You as the player were supposed to figure out how to get past it. It was a player's challenge and not necessarily a character challenge. So guys like my buddy, Dave, uh, heavy D when Dave's, when Dave's playing, he's got, he plays in character. So his character would look at that, go, you know what? I, Dave may know five different ways to get past this thing. My character doesn't. Therefore, I will react differently. So I think depending on how you like to play your characters or how you like your characters played, if you're, if you're game mastering can impact whether or not that as, as Chad describes it is fun for you. At least that's my perspective. And I think maybe Sean, that might be a whole nother show. Well, I'm sure. Nice. I thanks, like your confidence. Thanks there. for the inspiration for the show, Chad and Nathan Punk. Yes, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for writing in, guys. Appreciate it. If anybody else wants to write in uh, regarding our episodes or just in general RPGs, you can write us at gamingabs at gmail.com. Uh, shall we do our plug for the day? Yeah, let's see. Who, let's see which one of the three you've queued up. Hope it's the good one. Yeah, right. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors. You name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website, grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D, out.etsy.com. All right. Thanks, Michael, for sponsoring the show. Get a dice bag from Great Out. Yeah, he does great stuff. Um, he's been, I think, creating some newer and cooler stuff lately. I've seen a couple of really cool posts on his Google Plus threads and some of his Facebook posts. He's got some really cool stuff out there. And my uh, friend of our show and uh, one of my ga- oh, our gamers, I mean, he games with you and with me and both of us actually at the same time. Uh, Kevin has... Um, Got a little something, something for us in uh, connection to Michael Althauser for a giveaway or something at some point here. You oh. and I need to chat about that over lunch this week, I oh. think. Oh. See if we can figure out. Cool. Cool. Hey. Should we go into the topic? You want to do it? Yeah. Uh, I meant to to get an <clears throat> intro done for the show, and I didn't, and I, I failed. Wah, wah. I don't have the wah, wah. Here. How about this? Sorry. It's okay, Sean. So let's go into the main topic. Brett, you want to introduce the topic of the evening? 
Sure. What I wanted to talk about with Sean today, and this is for those of us who are new to the show, Sean and I, our approach is pretty much, we started doing this thing at work and hanging out, riding motorcycle together, just BSing about different topics and components of our games. And one of the pieces that he and I have been chatting about a couple times off and on is gear, um, kind of mundane and exceptional slash magical stuff in your games. And I want to talk about that. There's a couple different angles to gear. And I don't want to just get into encumbrance, so I kind of want to try to keep encumbrance as a sub piece. I don't want to, you know, go into that hardcore, but just talking about gear. So, Sean, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things I've done in the past to gear can be incredibly freaking boring, especially when you're talking mundane stuff. You know, you've got people that want to keep or are forced to, depending who your game master might be, keep track of every, you know, every length of rope you've got, every string, every ball bearing. Other people hand wave certain components of it. Um, how do you, how do you like to do it? I mean, when you're, it may, may, is it genre specific for you, Sean? Like if you're playing D and D you're expecting, or a fantasy type game, you're expecting people to, to track all the arrows they have, or are you thinking, or do you have a different way that you like to worry about gear? Does that matter to you? I'm talking about the mundane stuff right now. We can talk about some of the other pieces in a bit here. Um, I think that, uh, I don't, I think that if you have the OSR, thinking approach maybe even maybe not OSR but just if you've played AD&D first edition or basic or expert I'll give you an example I knew a guy I knew a guy I got a guy and you he, know a guy good. I know a guy good. he actually owned a, a friendly local game store he was part owner locally here in Madison he's no longer involved but I would talk to him um, on occasion and he would always carry and gear gear up his his player character um, with with that thinking, like because he kind of had that old school mentality. So he would he, bag a flower, ten foot pole. Never know. If somebody's invisible. You got to sprinkle them with flour. Find ba- a, yeah, right. Bag of marbles. Mm. So when you talk, when you say, "Hey, Sean, do you do mundane?" I don't, but I should. But I don't know how much. Like, how much do you get carried away? Because with that- there's a cool there's a cool uh, sub piece to that as far as mechanics go. I mean, there's a thing in Gumshoe where they have preparedness, and there are other systems that I can I can't think of the specific names offhand, but they've got a mechanics that way. You're like, look, I would have a mirror with me, spend a point, make a roll, good, you know, what you use the mechanic, and therefore you have the thing that you normally would have. That's straight um, Gumshoe for sure, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then there's games like. Um, uh, Savage Worlds, to my recollection, in that space, you don't track every individual bullet or arrow. It's kind of by kind. Com- are you low on ammo? Do you have enough? Are you out? It's kind of big swaths, if you will, of tracking those individual components. And I don't. I've, I have played with other folks before when it comes to mundane stuff. Like, look, you would have that. You totally would have that. Um, where you just kind of have an unofficial hand waving at the table. I know for me, I tend to do kind of do the hand waving component unless it gets crazy. And this is where the encumbrance piece will creep in when it comes to mundane gear. When someone's like, look, I would probably have, you know, five picks and pry bars. Like, whoa, no, the fuck you would. There's, yeah. no, there's no way. You know, that, that sounds crazy. Five pry bars? Is that what? Why would you, why would you have that? Because they're like, you know, making the pyramids and they want to <laughs> exactly. out outfit their other slaves that are like exactly. leveraging blocks. Exactly. Wooden logs. That's what they do all the time. Yeah. But I think it's, um, 
So I found that hand waving, some of that can, it speeds play for some of the mundane things. And um, what I've done then to add a bit of concreteness, if you will, to that is when someone, I'll pick on Kevin, um, if Kevin says, hey, you know, my guy is a sorcerer or a spellcaster of some sort, I would probably have this type of thing. I'm assuming that's in my bag. I'll say, you know what, that totally makes sense. Write that down so we know in the future. And that's kind of how some of the characters that I've uh, dealt with in the past, some players I have like to get really Nats-assy detail with their mundane stuff. But those that don't, I'll look at them and say, that's cool. Um, write that down so that way we know you have it for next time we play or that it's a thing that you usually carry so you don't have to you know, come up with it again. So that's how it becomes concrete insofar as you ask me about it, we make the judgment call, and then they write on the character sheet, and off we go. Yeah, and I think if you tie it into a narrative or tie it to something, like if a good if you if you can relatively justify the the reason why you would have that for what you know whatever that is, it can be really cheesy. You know, I have fifty feet of rope because I don't know I, I was a fisherman or whatever. That's fine, great. You know, just something, anything that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, five. Five pry bars, you know, well, they're five feet, you know, four foot long pry bars, you know. Iron. Each way five pounds of iron. No, uh, no, you no, don't have all that. That's not going to happen. Come on now. Let's be so reasonable. the, I think even barring a mechanical, like in-game mechanic, like in uh, Gumshoe where you have a, you know, the preparedness mechanic or something along those lines, you can get away, I, quote unquote, get away with it pretty easily. And I think not, for me, if nothing else, it's incredibly boring to sit down on a character sheet and write every little fucking thing that he or she may not have. I remember playing back in high school where my buddy Eric, the game master, be like, is it on your character sheet? Well, no, then you don't have it. Oh, come on. Which is where guys like you were saying, you know, come on, I have a bag of flour. I've got five marbles. I have two mirrors. I've got a silver dagger. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. You'd line it all out. I, I mean, I remember seeing and myself creating an entire loose leaf sheet of notebook one side, which is crap. That way I would try to carry or figure out was all how much could a backpack hold and how much would I and what exactly would I have squirreled away in it. The other thing, uh, so that's kind of just the mundane components of what what could you carry and so on. The other thing that I found can be fun to make mundane things in a game more entertaining is to provide it with like a social with a social status tag, if you will, right? <clears throat> so you have masterwork or finely crafted backpacks. You have um, clothing. Um, some of those things, they obviously stand out, right? If you're dressed like nobility or dressed like somebody who's upper class or lower class, that, that can change your social status. It can disguise impact and so on. But even something um, like your normal swords, your normal guns, um, things that are small custom tools, um, that, that you can have can give you social status, even within guilds or groups that you can encounter. And as we've said before, some of this stuff, it sounds good in theory, but until you as the game master, as the player, invoke it in play, it's of no use. So you, if you go there and you're like, boy, it'd be really great that um, my character has a steel shield um, with this type of covering or it's made out of this rare metal or I carry a you know a specific type of pistol. My my spy uses a certain type of cologne or whatever it might be. <laughs> cologne is a really weird one. But anyway, the, unless it <laughs> unless it's, it's the first Ooh, thing that came to mind. I don't know oh, why. Oh, Drakkar. Maybe I stink. Maybe that's a problem. Anyway, um, the point is is that unless it has has a play or has the opportunity to come up, and sometimes you need to 
quote unquote force as a player say, Hey, you know, remember you're Sean game master guy. I do have, you know, this thing, this, this sword, this pair of boots, this, um, you know, really well-made suit of leather armor, which might help me negotiate with the leather worker because I clearly know quality goods. You know, when I go to buy this gun, I talk to the guy and I use, you know, because I happen to carry custom Kimber 1911 pistols. That's what my guy uses. When I'm talking to the dude in the shop, I'm using all the right gun speak or the computer speak or, you know, the elite speak, if you will, about the, the stuff, even when I'm buying or purchasing mundane things, you're looking at quality. I should know that because of my social standing and um, the type of gear that I like to have. Does that mean anything to you, Sean? Or do you, are you thinking that's just Jesus, Brett, you're making a mountain out of molehill there. Uh, I don't deal. Okay. I don't deal with gear quite that elegantly. Oh, but I do think it's, a pretty good approach. Do you, do you incorporate that stuff, Brett? Like often, I can't. It, often? Or is it just kind of no. like, oh, yeah, somebody makes it up and you're like, oh, great, that's a good idea. Sometimes it becomes the players will bring it out. So I have before, like, um, <clears throat> I think of a good example. Zave's character was a druid, lived in the great city of Avalon in my fantasy world, and his uh, family raised mushrooms. They were mushroom farmers. In their farmhouse and their sub basement, they all these different growing areas. It's a lot of shit. That's a lot of shit. <laughs> Don't you have to have a lot of shit to grow mushrooms? <laughs> Tons of shit. Anyhow, <laughs> however, because so what he would do was he knew um, he knew handmade things, he knew farming, he understood quality of ingredients. So when they were out somewhere, I can't remember what the hell happened, but they were looking for they needed ingredients for something, and they're like, "Look, it has to be fresh." They wanted to try. He wanted to try to. Um, use his knowledge of this mundane stuff to get an edge while dealing with this NPC. So he looked at me and he's like, look, I know X, Y, and Z about growing mushrooms. I'm going to use that type of lingo when I'm talking to this guy. Look, I don't think this is fresh. You know, I'm flipping over. I don't know. Thump, thump, thump type of thing to, you know, basically treating it like a farmer buying produce. I mean, this man or woman really knows their stuff. <clears throat> so my players tend to call that out as a way to try to get an edge, even if the mechanic of the system we're playing doesn't have a way for them necessarily to get a, a big bonus. They'll look at me knowing how I run and say, well, I'm going to do this thing because I believe this would give me an edge, Brett. Yes or no. And I may make a call and say, well, you know what? No, that doesn't really impact you in this position or this time. But yeah, it, it does. That totally makes sense. Your, your character is a Boyer Fletcher. You know, arrows inside and out. You don't have the hours this week to go and make them. But your skill lets you know that you're going to buy the best arrows. You want to find somebody who makes really good stuff. They want to build a rapport with an NPC, so they use the that talk. I mean, Sean, as your as a recruiter, when you wanted to build a rapport with me, when you're recruiting me, I mean, you find out things people are into. You're talking to them. So the characters and the players are doing a similar thing with NPCs. They're chatting back and forth and like, oh, you know this. I know a lot about that. And then they kind of lean into it to see if they can get an edge when dealing with that NPC. Maybe a bonus to a schmooze roll or a bonus to a bluff or something along those lines. Yeah, man. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, absolutely, man. I, I totally am on board with that. So now when you play, if you're gonna play with me, 5e, sci-fi, whatever, let's let's any genre, let's just say if I were to say, okay, get a guy 
Um, you make your character. Do you immediately sit down and start writing out all the gear you have, or do you assume that you can just make it up as you go, or do you think genre specific? Well, Does it matter to you? Well, it depends on what the game is and the genre. Okay. So if you're t- playing fantasy, you got your equipment, and you play modern, it's a whole different ball game. And then I think it's a matter of well, how much, mo- like, how much money do you get to spend, or is it you know free for all, or you work it out with the game master? What, what's my, what are my limits and what I grab? Uh, and then if it's, so if it's fantasy, typically if you're starting at first level, you're going to have a set amount of gold pieces based on your class, race, whatever. And then maybe the GM says it's, a you know, you have more money or whatever you get max or you roll or whatever that is. So if it's max, then say you start out with 500 gold pieces, you go down, I go down the equipment list and I start out with like general equipment and you get it by your armor, you got to buy a sword and all that stuff. So it's kind of going through the equipment list and and thinking through those things. Um, and I do that. I, I've always done that since the dawn of time, since I've gotten into first edition AD&D. But the thing is, is like every time I build a character, I'm always buying kind of the same stuff. You're, you're always equipping, equipping them with the same thing. Like, Another hey, backpack, two large sacks, a small sack, a belt pouch, one of these, yeah. a flint and tinder, which is one of the cool things that 5e did where they're like, you look, here's an explorer's pack. Boom, it costs right. this much money. Here's all the shit that's in it. There, just go buy one of those. That's what you need. Well, and, and part of that is, you know, if you get explorer's pack, you know, and you want to, you if you want to kind of just wing it, you can say, I got an explorer's pack. It would be in there. And as yeah. long as it makes sense, right? As long as it's like, and I, I, the thing is, is that when you go and you were to, if you were to pack a backpack with crap, you aren't going to have, you are, or you, you are, or you're not going to have everything you need. And if you go through the list, there may be stuff in the player's handbook that isn't listed as part of the equipment, but you still want, you may not even know it until later in the adventure. And that goes back to what you're saying, where you can just kind of dynamically say, Hey, I'd have this candle uh, because I'm a, a mage and I use it to read my spell book when it's dark. All right, it's a, you know it's a candle. It's in your backpack. No big deal. Is it written down? Maybe not. Who cares? But at the same time, you're not going to have uh, if you wing if you wing it like that and you do kind of an arbitrary type of and you know approach to it, then you kind of go with when you need it and when it comes up. So that way you're not like, Hey, I got this, like roll it out. I got this big, huge inventory list. Exactly. And then, Oh, by the way, I I need this candle that isn't listed. So I think you kind of have to mix and mash it a little bit. So it's, I think what, I think what we're getting to is that the, the mundane stuff, the way we're talking about here is a great way to get kind of the, um, it's a great way to be creative and to encourage creativity within your character, within the players, and use a game master just with stuff they stuff they have, how they want to utilize it. Again, it's kind of player versus it's kind of player versus characters. I was talking about with Chad's um, with Chad's message to us, but if you're like, look, my character knows X, I want the candle. To your example, because I'm a mage, I read my spellbook at night, so therefore I probably have three candles or four pieces of candle that have burned too low, and I want the wax or whatever, and being able to do that allows you to be pretty creative and pulling things together. And if it gives you then as a game master to reward that, it's like, yeah, I'll give you a plus one in that check or yeah, they get a minus whatever, or sure roll again, or let you have advantage to use uh, five E parlance or 
or I'll give you an X percentage something chance to have that occur because you gave me a good narrative as to why this thing would happen. So I think that's it's definitely worth tracking and encouraging within your players to do that. I think it's a really good thing. <clears throat> the other thing I so talking about that stuff, one of the things I really like about Savage Worlds is the concept of not tracking every bullet and every arrow you have, right? So in D&D type of thing, you often have got a quiver with 25 or 30 arrows, depending on the book you're reading. And you're like, okay, I shot an arrow once. I shot an arrow twice. I shot this. Oh, shit, I'm down arrows. I want to try to scavenge arrows. What's the percent chance for them being broken? Blah, blah. Or if you're playing certain games, you want to keep track of every freaking bullet in every clip you have to make sure you've got enough. Sometimes the those expendable things, I think um, it's easier to come with saying, look, you've shot a lot of arrows or you've been, you know, blazing, <laughs> you've been guns blazing for the last hour and a half in through this game session, or whatever it is. I, I think you're getting low on ammo. You should look to restock or, hey, you're getting down on arrows. You don't do the surprise. Hey, guess what, Sean? Your archer's out of arrows. Do too, too fucking bad. But I don't see, for me, if it's if they're magical or have a certain plus to them, like you've got X special whatever disposable things. So you've got five plus one arrows or five, you know, uh, I don't know, freaking shots out of a laser gun, which is a rare thing to have or whatever. That makes sense to track. But otherwise, I think some of the expendable or easily used things, I like to go through kind of just broader strokes. And maybe that is kind of flies in the face of wanting to track all the different gear, you know, or, or realism to some folks. But I don't like having to track every arrow that my guy has shot when I'm playing. Do you, Sean, so what do you think? If I'm playing, well, I am, I'm playing in your game, right? So if my dude shoots, seems to be shooting arrows all day long, are you going to look at me and go, dude? Um, are you shooting arrows? Are you shooting arrows? Yeah, well, totally. Yeah, are I killed you? two wild boars last time, dude. Oh, that's right. Yeah, those arrows are, they're going to be. I haven't, and I haven't lost an arrow yet if you look at my character Yeah, sheet. they're going to be toast. <laughs> you can find them. They're just broken. Uh, So they're. I am torn about that because one, I think it creates story element like, oh, Brett doesn't, Brett's guy doesn't have any arrows. He's out. In the middle of nowhere. He's recovered some and some have broken or some need repair, but no more arrows. So next encounter comes along. What's Brett's guy do? Oh shit, man. I got to whip out my sword and go to sword and board. You know, so I think. But at the same time, do you want to like micromanage the the ammunition? I don't know. The nice thing about like uh, fantasy flight games, a Star Wars role playing game, is they just kind of do the, um, you know, you you have levels of you have a success, you have failure, you have triumphs and it or advantage and. Oh, I keep I don't know what the negative is. I can't remember. I can't always remember the mechanics because I don't play the game all the time. But anyways, anybody. But you're not going like laser blast by laser blast. I no. use five shots out of a power clip or whatever. No, but you could you could use that as an, a disadvantage. Like if you fail okay. your roll, what is the, out. what is the narrative of that? And all of a sudden, then you you're like, oh, okay, I don't your you, your clip or uh, your power pack is empty. It's drained. Oh shit. Okay, it's gonna take you a bit to replace it, or you know. That on your next turn you're gonna have to replace it. You're out of ammo. Oh, okay. You know, done. But it take you know it takes an action or sets them back according to the dice and the results. You know, an interesting thing that this brings to my my mind here is that uh, granted in a game like that where it's it's a mechanic, it's in the system. 
Now, what I was talking about, if I'm not playing Savage Worlds, I'm playing 5e or even um, World of Darkness or GURPS or anything that I want to use the hand wavy, yes, I do, or, or excuse me, no, I'm not tracking every arrow you shoot or every bullet you shoot. When you do that, I think as a game master, it's incumbent on you because it's hard to come up with every little house ruley because that's kind of what this is, right? Every little house ruley thing you do, for instances, about mundane equipment and lay it out for everybody at the beginning. You may forget as a game master, oh, shit, I just so you guys know, I don't track bullets like that. Like after the game, after the first um, big combat. Oh, God, I'm down five rounds. Look, dude, I, I don't really don't care about that. Really? How do you do it? I think that's an okay discussion to have at the table. You know, if after we get in a big gunfight, Sean, Kevin, and Dave look at me like, holy shit, I think we're almost out of bullets. I mean, how many did you shoot? I, as a game master, can say, guys, just, just so you know, I'm not too concerned about that. I'd say you're probably down to, you know, half your clips or a few rounds left. You're not out, but you're close. Okay, that's all I need to know. And then they, you can go off and play. So I think <clears throat> um, it has to be a warning if you're going to use this. If you listen to us and you say, hey, that's a really good idea, and God, God knows we might actually have a good idea in one of these episodes. Um, if you want to throw it out there, I think it's worth a warning, a warning encounter or something along those lines where the first time through – and someone goes, God, I think I might be out of arrows. How many did I shoot? Just go, you know, Austin, don't worry. Chad, don't worry about it. Um, I assume you've still got a couple left. You probably need to start looking for arrows right now. Say you've probably got five left. Okay, great. Thanks, Brett. And then off you go. You do it as kind of a warning first instead of like, hey, you're just fucked. And you're all out of arrows because you don't know how to keep track. Because then I'm going to get in an argument with the character. Like, Are you freaking kidding me? I'm a ranger, dude. I'm archer man. I know every arrow by name. You know, I don't want that fight. So I introduce it. I introduce it gent- more gently. I'm torn, man. I'm really torn because I you think... just like being an ass. That's your problem. <laughs> I am torn because I think that if you play to the to the item, it creates dilemmas. So I mean, it depends. On- I think it depends on what you want your game to be about. Well, yeah, I, I, I well, no, what, what I'm saying is that do you want that to be a dilemma? Is that a dilemma that you want to tell a story about? Maybe I'm being overly well, that is, story. Guy. Yes, that is true. So if you're looking at big quest, I mean, how many Legolas is like, oh, hey, man, I'm out of arrows. It never happened during Lord of the Rings. I totally get it. But yeah. at, the, at the same time, if you're like you, you yahoos are adventuring through the hinterlands and it's not, you know, gas station every mile where you can kind of refuel, you know, your stuff. How how does I have 20 arrows I'm shooting? I think that that can be an intimate part of the game. And so if you, if you are ranger guy and you're shooting arrows and you have those boar, right? Wild boar encounter, four boar and you're going to shoot them and you shoot them all dead, but it takes you 10 arrows, half your ammo's gone. And say you recover. Should, should you, should I feel that as a character is what you're should saying? You, should you, you feel that? If you're in the fucking middle of nowhere, you should be worried that you're down to 10 arrows. You could. Well, you might be because you could say, oh shit, I don't want to spend my arrows on this stuff. It's kind of like a magic user. Do I spend all my big guns on this little encounter if I know something's coming down the road? So True. for resource wise, Ranger could be the same thing. Like, hey, I'm, I'm a Ranger. And if I spend all my arrows, what am I going to do when they're all gone? Well, I'll have to go to melee. 
So then that's a decision a decision that you will have to make based on, I have high decks. I'm ranger, arrow, bow and arrow guy. But now, shit, now I'm freaking longsword guy and I suck at the longsword or I'm not as good. So then what happens is we you adventure and you adventure and then all of a sudden you're like, shit, man, I got to get some freaking arrows or I got to make some arrows. Oh, how long is it going to take for you to make arrows? So then, I think when you're when you're doing what you're saying yeah. and in an, in a deep adventure, I'm in the middle of the hinterlands, or I'm deep underground in some um, dark dwarven, dark elven, whatever it is, and resources should matter at that point. I could see that definitely. Or like, look, if um, you're behind enemy lines, you only have what you brought with you, and I could see making that matter and not necessarily hand waving it. And I think the way I would introduce that is that if you, Game Master Sean, my character's shooting arrows all day long, you're like, dude, how many arrows do you have left? I'd be like, well, oh, shit, I haven't been keeping track. Well, how many did you, br- how many did you bring with you? And I say 30, and you say, you're down to 10. But you know, you know what I mean? Then yeah. you can you can drop the, you know, deus es machina and just go, you're down to 10. You have 10 arrows left. Really? Yeah, you have 10. And by the by, where the fuck you think you're going to get new arrows, Ranger Boy? Oh, shit, you're right. You have... So again, to me, it, it's a it's a decent warning mechanism to say, how many do you have? Oh crap, I've been bad. I'm sorry. Okay, fine, you're down to ten, or you're almost out of bullets. You have well, how many do I left? You have twenty. And then I've now it's clued in on me. One, if I wasn't bothering to pay attention, then I can say, Well, I guess my, my character was being a douchebag and wasn't thinking that he was just spraying and praying with his assault rifle like a dumbass, you know. Well, guess what? I'm behind enemy lines. I should have been conserving ammo. God damn it. Well, I think that it can it can it can play a role in the story. So what is kind of that, like That's what I'm saying. Is right. when you do that to me, it suddenly becomes something I care about. Well, not only that, but it's kind of like you have to make a choice. So then it's a matter of like if I'm in an encounter and I'm going to have to kill this thing, I have a higher percentage of killing it with my bow and less with my sword, but if I don't kill it with my bow or arrows, or and then I do, there is a chance that I am blowing my wad on the using the missile weapon. And yeah. what does that happen? Dropping goblins all day long with this with with my bow, blowing an arrow each time. When um, really, <laughs> goblins the right use of my resources? Really, well, exactly. And it's more resource management at that point. But however, now not to get into the weeds and get real anal about it, but I think. Okay, so you look at it and go, oh, shit, you know, what choice do I make and blah, 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 and all this resource management crap. But then it's like, you know, what happens when you get down to food and some of those supplies and your backpack starts to run low and you've been out in the wilderness and you're not quite sure where you are and you're not sure where you're going. You know that like the outpost that you just passed was two days back and you're at this point, right, navigating. So if you go back now, you'll be fine. If you push yeah, it. I went out with a week's worth of food and water, and I'm two days out, and I've been here for three days, so that's five. Fuck. Right. So then what happens? So then what happens is then you got to make a decision like, well, we could go west and hit the river. It's a day's journey, but we haven't been on that path yet. We don't know what we'll run into. Or we could double back to the outpost, or we could – Hope to hit the lake in a day without running in any issues. But when you start running into that stuff, I think then uh, it's a much, you know, I don't know. Then I think it starts playing a role into the story. 
I think the interesting thing that gear can bring to your game when we're talking about this more granular, maybe granular is not the best word for it, but this, this tracking, this uh, resource piece, it's kind of like, so if you play Gumshoe or some of those games where it's resource intensive on your character sheet, even like, look, I only have so many points in the thing, so many dice to use. I'm using them up. You're watching that. And now if I'm also making you watch the number of arrows you shoot, the bullets you shoot, how much food did you bring with you? Do you have enough clothing and all that stuff? Um, it lends itself to a grittier and I'm going to say a kind of less heroic quote unquote type of game. If you talk to guys like Sean Patrick Fannin, who runs his shine tire soft, big savage worldsy thing. Savage worlds is not geared as a system. And this goes to the misdirected Mark boys play better games. Damn it. If you want to play a game that has your tabletop RPG that lends itself to this kind of noirish, gritty quote unquote, more realistic approach to combat doing this, what we're talking about here, watching the resources makes sense. I think what you have to do is you've got to find a balance that you as a game master are okay with. And also you don't want to make it a big accountant drag where everybody has a huge fucking spreadsheet on every piece of gear they have. And I'll use five ounces of flour and I ate three sandwiches today. And if I eat two tomorrow, I can make it like, you know, you don't want to get that fucked up. Right. But I, I'm, I've been backpack camping when I've been out for a while and I didn't bring enough food. And you, you get out to a point like, all right, so we're going to skip breakfast today so I can eat the last day before I have to leave. You know, I've been there and it sucks. And But anyway, where I'm, where I'm getting at is there is a, it's the, the too far meter, you can hit it. And I think only you and your players are going to know when that happens. And when, and when your player, if for no other reason, when your players pull out a big ledger, you know, and start running adding machines in the background to try to figure out how, how they're going to make it the next three weeks to Thorbrandor or wherever, then you probably have gone too far. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or not far enough, says Sean. They need to learn. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think if I ran, if I wanted to run straight AD&D, because mm-hmm. it doesn't have like the skill breakdowns of today's modern traditional role-playing games like uh, Paizo or, or D&D. Like, if you wanted to get really kind of, yeah, you guys are wandering out and what are you going to make as a decision and all that stuff, and it's part of the journey. I don't know. Part of me is kind of like into that, or it could be interesting. I mean, hey, we could go through the mountains or we could go around them. Well, what's the advantage? Well, if we go through them, we're going to, who knows what's going on in the mines of Moria. And then if we go around them, well, then we got to deal with the weather and the elements and all that other crap. Hey, players, up to you. What do you do? You know, and then it's kind of like, hey, we make this decision. And so I think there's some things that can come out of equipment and supplies and gear that may play a role with what's going on. Like, and I know I hear misdirected Mark. Do you hear him? Do you hear him, Brett? Play better games, damn it. Do you hear Chris? Do you hear Chris Chris telling us we're wrong? Do you hear Chris going, (laughs) dude, if it propels the story, if it propels the story, right? Well, I think that that works in a game like in a system like Fate or a system even like Gumshoe when you're playing Knights Black Agents or something along those lines. The game itself is about investigation. The game itself is about a certain type of narrative. And if that's what you're after, it I think I would be hard pressed. I've not played Fate. Sean, you've played Fate. Maybe you can correct me on this. I think I would be hard pressed to have somebody who really wants to play a fake game or even a Savage Worlds game or one of those types of games 
to sit down and say, look, I want you to tell me how much food you, how many days worth of food you have, how much water are you carrying? Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think fate I don't gets think it, into the weeds like that. That's what I'm saying is those, if you want to play this type of game where resource management matters, I think you need to play the type of game that, that it's, um, that fits. Not that D and D is better in this regard than Rollmaster or I don't know, GURPS or whatever. But I think you need to have, to really make it work, you need to have a system where this isn't so foreign feeling, right? If you're playing Call of Cthulhu, there's a certain, yeah, you can track bullets or um, and how many idols of the horrible forgotten god you've, you're carrying with you. But I don't think that game is not designed to be, at least the, the stories you tell with that system are not designed to be a resource grinder. Fair. Should we we beaten that to death? I think we've beaten that one. So holy shit balls. <laughs> now the, the cool thing though is that if you have if you do this stuff with mundane gear, at least in my experience, if you fuck around with mundane gear like this and makes it important, and then finding that mundane gear becomes really freaking cool. And it has that ability to take the Monty Hall treasure hoard thing where every time you um Kill five orcs. You're looking for oh no plus one swords. Fuck them. I chuck them. No 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 decent armor. I get rid of it. Where in this case you'd be going around saying look I'm gonna scrounge for arrows. Okay good. They're orc arrows. They're not as good. Yeah I know. Range is halved. You'd say I'm like all right fine. Range is halved on orc arrows. Fine I'll deal with that. Um, do they have any leather armor? Yeah it's really crappy. That's okay because I think I could repair my backpack with that crappy leather armor because I lost it. I could I could scrounge something th- together. And I think the cool piece of profession leather worker, exactly Um, cloth. You can make things out of clothing and and so forth. Um, I like, I tend to like my fantasy to be low magic, more gritty, more noir, if you will. And I don't like super high magic. And one of the ways that I do that is by making, as we've been talking about the mundane stuff, cool. And in a tactical situation, what you're like, okay, great. It's a resource drain, blah, blah, blah. But now when it's reward time, when the guy cuts you a deal and says, look, if you buy the kick-ass backpack, I'm going to throw in 50 feet of silk and rope just to seal the deal. You're like, oh, fucking hey, dude, 50 feet of silk rope? That's half the way done. I will take that right now. Shell a little bit extra for that because I'm getting that rope for free. I don't play with GMs like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hell no, man. They don't give me shit. Motherfuckers. You're the wrong group, man. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but even with... um. So you look at James Bond. So James Bond goes down to talk to Q and he's looking at crazy gadgets and stuff like that. And he knows him. And basically Q goes, all right, here, here's an exploding pen. Here's a watch. This isn't standard issue, but I like, yeah, here's some stuff. Yeah. Now it's quasi in a D and D sense. It's magical gear, but it's not that impressive, right? It's a small thing that shoots a narco dart that knocks somebody out for a few minutes. It's not, you're like, okay, it's a one-shot thing, but you know it's coming up in the story. Dude, it's so super cool in freaking espionage I, RPGs, man. I know it is. So Every what I'm saying, Q, hey, Q. Q's awesome. Hell yeah, yeah man. But what I'm saying is that you can have that type of a feel with your other mundane stuff. You're talking to the guy at the um, the arms dealer or you're, you're in Shadowrun, you're working, a, you're working a trade or something, and you get a deal on ammo you buy the gun he gives you two round the two extra clips you buy this you get that and 
the you don't always have to have magic or super super kick ass swag to go with every loot pile, whatever the loot pile is defined in the game you're playing. But if mundane shit matters when you're adventuring, then mundane shit matters when you find loot. So I think it's a cool way to spice up that that stuff. There is an economy behind it, yes. I yes. think I mean you could build it into it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm going. Yeah. Thank you. Economy, well shit, that was a hell of a lot more succinct. I was just going. Glad yeah. you stopped me there. Yeah. Economy, man. Economy. Thank you very much. Do you do um have you done this before? And this used doo-doo. to be thing. you said doo doo. Doo doo, I did. <laughs> no, Joe Swick's gonna be giggling away. <laughs> he he ha ha. Titter titter. Um have you ever played where you've had to where you've dealt damage to armor? This is a big one. Oh, you were shot 15 times in your Kevlar vest. That vest is useless. Oh, you were smashed yeah. by a big ogre. That plate mill's gone. Have you ever done that? No. I tried it and I've never successfully made it work. No, but I know how to piss people off in Pathfinder or 3.5. Rust monster? No. Yeah. Heavy heavy sunderer. Oh, Sunder. Sunder. Oh, Improve Sunder. Sunder. Like, just Sunder, and then everything, you're just, you know, breaking the shit out of everything. However, as a GM, to counter that, you're like, oh, you Sunder? Okay, great. And then at the end, you're like, hey, is there anything we can grab? Sure, that plus one, plus two sword that you uh, wanted? Yeah, it's broken half. Nice job, dickhead. Because you wanted to go crazy breaking all the shit. Nice. But, I mean, uh, so, Yeah. There were some old Dragon Magazine articles back in the day that talked about how do you um, basically a way to, and we talked about this in our money episode, how to drag cash off the party or you had to upkeep your gear. It is a way to to get rid of money from the party if they end up with a, with a surplus of it, which shame on you. Never let them have a surplus of anything. Never let them um, have money anyway. <laughs> no, never take all the money. But I have, I have yet to find a decent way in an RPG, and maybe I'm just missing it, and it is in the games I'm playing. I'm just glossing over this piece but to track damage to gear i mean it used to be i remember when someone hit me with a fireball it's a friend of mine be like roll saving throws for all of your equipment you're like oh fuck really? oh yeah yeah click, click, yeah click, you get hit click. by a fireball man everything's like torched you got to figure out what survived yeah Basis. and if you had a, if you had a list you know this goddamn long as long as my arm like okay spend the next half hour rolling 20 siders to see what does paper save oh yeah i got on two i got 20 my scrolls are still here that saving throws for like like different class items everything yeah class, yeah. yeah everything awesome glass steel whatever yeah so you don't you don't do that though so if you got your guys getting a sword fight you don't go hey that shield is useless now You've never done that? No, I haven't. I haven't gotten actually with a lot of the gear stuff that we're talking about. I haven't enforced. I haven't enforced ammo and how much you have. I haven't enforced damage. Now the one now the thing is that when you bring up uh, our damage to gear, wow! Then your mend spell as a wizard comes into play. Yes, it does. Yeah. See, so that's kind of the wackiness of some of these fantasy RPGs specifically is that. We all know them. We kind of, it's always kind of the same. And then, like, you know, if you start playing differently, like, okay, we're going to start managing gear, all of a sudden, mend is an important fucking spell. Yeah, because that, that fixes, that fixes the leather armor that just got shredded off of me. Right. Or the, uh, the the leather straps to my plate mail that have rotted because I've been in a swamp for the last six weeks. Well, it's also cheaper. 
Oh, by far. Right. Yes. So if the wizard can just, and I think mend might be a cantrip in a couple of systems. Well, there's mend, there's make whole, there's a number right. of different right. ones. But those aren't, I think once you get up in higher levels, make holes, like oh, I got to spend a spell slot where mend is kind of a dump of a can, of a cantrip. But usually you won't, it's light, fire, uh, detect magic, you know, mend nobody takes unless you're playing in a campaign where the GM is going to freaking damage shit. Well, even if you have to spend a higher level spell slot or use a higher level power slot or whatever it might be to fix something, if if the mundane shit matters, you're going to spend it. It becomes worthwhile to spend that point on that higher level make whole spell or whatever that might be to fix all the shields in the party because, yeah, the fighters and the clerics, are they need their goddamn shields. So it, it's a good idea to do it. I can see that happening. So what the only thing, so I guess coming around on this, the only thing that stops me from getting too granular with some of this is the bookwork on my part as the game master. Record and I think keeping. this record keeping. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think some of it is something that I haven't done much of. And quite frankly, I got um, Phil Vecchion from Instructor Mark talked about this in his uh um, one of his books. Oh, he wrote a couple of them. What I got one on my desk here. Oh, yes. Oh, whatever, um, focal point. I do. I got three of them. Right I got there, three dude. of them, but I got them autographed <laughs> by Phil. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, Dick. Um, in focal point, he talked about, you know, handing gear off or not gear work off. And people have talked about this before saying, hey, could you in the party um, track this thing or you players make sure that when I hit you, this happens or whatever it is. It's when you get, that's where I, I guess I was trying to get to before is that if the record keeping gets to be too much, then I just fade away from it. I just, I just, I'm not going to do it. I can start off with all the greatest intentions ever, but if the record keeping becomes too much, I'm not going to do it. It's not that it can't, it doesn't have to be that difficult though, especially like with arrows. I think even in first edition, AD and D yellow sheets, if you had a quiver of arrows, it had little, you had the little uh, circles. You just check off. And then that once, would work. you know, once it's done, they're gone. I mean, and maybe it wasn't AD and D first edition, but it may be some of those espionage modern games where it's like a clip of thirty, a clip of twenty. So when you're when you're like, you know, roll and I'm shooting three times, you know, you knock off three bullets or whatever. Um, so I do get bookkeeping is a factor and can be a major pain in the arse, but nonetheless, um. Yeah, it depends on the game you're playing. I think this is what it all comes down to, right? You know, are you going to, hey, GM, are you going to get into encumbrance? Are you going to get into how many arrows I have? Do you want me to tick them off? And I think there is an argument to go either way. True. It's like, do you want this kind of game? Do you want, like, decisions to be made on this? Or is it kind of, you know, so here's kind of that level, right? It's kind of at the ground level. And then as you want to up it, to like kind of a fantasy uh, epic, like, hey, we really want to save the world or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're up in it, and then all this crap down here doesn't matter. Then it's kind of hand wavy crap because it's like, yeah, yeah, because Han Solo never checked his blaster for you know, enter, you know, do I have enough shots in my blaster clip? Yeah. Stormtroopers never reloaded. That was never a thing. Right, but when is the? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna reach in and freaking pull out my pistol and click. Oh, yeah. shit. Now, the cool thing, now, one thing I didn't mention, which I think is a little bit different than gear, but to talk about ammo and that piece is when you play Spycraft and you run a, you roll a one, because they have, um, 
shit. What is it? Points. There's points in there. Mm, it's not fame points. Yeah. Anyways, you can spend a, uh, it's like a Benny. You spend it to activate the critical failure oh, or, okay. or the critical hit. So if oh, it's a, okay. if you roll a one and I'm the GM, I'm like shit, man. I'm gonna spend it. And guess what? You just you ran out of ammo. You click and then it misfires, or there's no, you know the last round you shot was the last round you shot. It's done. You click. Oh fuck. Okay. Now I got to reload. And you know, next the next round or the next action is I got to reload. So that takes that up that economy of action. Okay. Action economy, as Mister Mark would say. I see. You know what hmm. I'm saying? Does that make sense? It does. I think what I'm hearing us say here at the kind of at the tail end, I think we can move on to die roll here in a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm seeing here is that, at least to me, if you don't have this is like a lot of discussions we'll talk about, like at the table, you want to have those um, uh, expectation settings, all that crap up front. <laughs> crap, excuse me. That's <laughs> a bunch of shit. Anyway, when you have that discussion, this is one of those things that you can bring out. In play, the first time after the first combat, and your ranger shoots a bunch of arrows. Your black ops guy riddles the wall with nine millimeter bullets. Your mage—we didn't even talk about spell components or whatever—and your mage casts five spells um, to look at the game master and say, "You know what? We forgot slash I didn't ask you. I'm curious as to how you run this." Um, or you, as a game master, realize, "Shit, I forgot to tell Sean and Chad and the guys that <sighs> keep track of all your arrows, boys. I know you. We didn't." Keep track of it this time. Let's say those of you who shot her down four arrows will just keep it. No, just keep track of it from here. I think that is a good conversation to have. And I think it's something that it, that as groups try to figure out, especially the first time you play together in a new setting or a new system or with a new game master. It's okay to say, hey, wait, just I just want to ask Sean, how do you deal with ammo? Now, I haven't asked you in our game because it just hasn't come up yet. But it's one of those things that, you know, now that I think about it, I probably should as I've been shooting my bow. Uh, a couple days away from uh, Trader's Post, we're out in the woods. Yeah, I should probably be keeping track of this. Sean, does it matter in your game? If you said, "No, what, Brett? I really don't care. It's not. It's not something we. It's not part of the story that we're going to get into." Great, then I won't worry. But I think it's worth asking. It may even bring to mind to the players and the game master that you know what? I think this is uh, part of the story we would all like to tell. If the group goes, "Yeah, I totally. I want to keep track of bullets because if I'm out." or amount of spell components, or my armor's damaged and destroyed, I think that makes sense. We as a group are signing up to do this because we think it'd be really cool. I think it's a good conversation to bring up at any point within the game, and it's worth taking a break, if you will, from the action to hash that out as a crew. At least that's my opinion. Well done, man. Yeah. Thank you. That's good stuff. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to answer that question, obviously. Exactly, you will. Well, what, Wednesday, when we play on Wednesday. I know I got that now until then to actually figure out Come if it's on, figure out what the fuck you're going to do. There we go. Right. All right. Let's get into die roll, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to share with you, the listener. Uh, Brett has, Brett, you have four? I have two. Yeah, I've been pay, I've been uh, racking them up here. All right, so, uh, go ahead, man. Let's make first, it happen. First one I've got is Evercon. Evercon is coming. It comes in January, first part of January. It is a small convention in my hometown of Wausau, Wisconsin, at the DC Everest High School. I've got the link evercon.org. It'll be out in the show notes. Um, take a when look is, if when, you're in the. When is it? 
Oh shit! It is in the second. I believe it's the second weekend in January. I'm losing it right now. I don't have the map in front of me or the map. Blah, talking dungeons too long. Calendar in front of me for when it is. But take a look at it. They've got some cool stuff. We got Frank Messner coming in this year. We got one of the Men in Black from Steve Jackson Games going to be there, and the artist I cannot remember his name. The guy who did Hack Slash comic book is going to be there. Should be kind of cool. It's a it's a pretty good sized con. I mean, they get last year we had eleven hundred people showed up. Individual tickets sold. Yeah, I might go up there and kill a bunch of characters. Uh, teach o, teach those kids, uh, you know, teach those kids a lesson or two. Hard knocks. <laughs> Not everything's awesome. uh, easy in life, kids. It's come up and knock down a little, knock down a grade score. Bam! Yeah. Hey, first Take time it. playing. Oh. <laughs> First okay. Time playing? Wow, I'm a fucker. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, I'm asshole GM. Exactly. Watch this. That's okay, Sally, nine year old. You're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> that rainbow, that rainbow unicorn, it'll survive. Actually, what we kind of all joking aside, the one of the coolest parts for me at that con is the number of kids in the hobby. The various different aspects of the gaming and geekery hobby that are at this con is really, really cool. It's a very friendly environment for them, and I have run games. <laughs> run games there for the past three, four years and always swamped with kids and they love it. They love games and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Tons of fun. All right. Number two, I have misdirected Mark, their last episode, episode 171. They were talking about teamwork from a uh, mechanical breakdown. Yeah. And uh, it, I thought it was pretty cool. I threw a couple questions at them that I'm hoping, I, I know they're going to talk about planning and some other stuff in an upcoming episode, but the concept of me- of the teamwork mechanic, I have found that I don't necessarily use it as written quite often. I tend to kind of wing it when it comes to teamwork. So it was a pretty good... Uh, if you haven't listened to it, give that episode a listen. It was pretty cool. I liked it. MrDirectedMark.com for those Absolutely. that are not in the know. <laughs> Our buddy uh, Wayne, Mr. Star Wars Humfleet, had posted up on uh, his Facebook page a Bermuda Triangle ship reappearing. It's a fake article, Right. But the way the article was written, it's this worldnewsdailyreport.com thing. It's, I've got the link in the show notes. It's a lot of fun. I read it and went, this is kind of cool. Dude, I, I want to run that campaign, man. I know. There is a Delta Green um, side book I have. I think for your for uh, eyes only, I think it is eyes only. Delta Green, fuck, it's across the room. I can't see it from here. But anyway, oh. they have hey, a hey, ship gra- that- Hey, Grandpa, put on the, <laughs> hey, put on the glasses. Hang on a second. Give me a picture out. Um, well, that's a good- Eight feet away, I can't see it far. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's dark in that corner of the room. When I Wait shoot guns, I got a scope. God damn it. God damn it. Anyway, they had a piece in there about a uh, World War II ship that kind of traveled through time and whatnot. But it's really cool. And as Sean said, this is just it's solid game master fodder. It would be a great, it would be a great adventure. Um, the lo- last one I have, number four, Lost Tunnels Under Liverpool. Uh, bbc.com has a really cool link. There's a bunch of tunnels that folks found under Liverpool, England. Not sure what that's about or what it was used for, but as a guy who likes Bookhounds of London, the sub uh, set within um, uh, Trail of Cthulhu gumshoe game, it's really cool. It's a fun It's a fun little piece. Yeah. Sean, over to you, sir. Uh, new, which is the Northeast Wisconsin uh, Game Con. Oh, pardon me. It was formerly known as Oshkon. So if you're in the Wisconsin area, Osh, Oshkosh. So if you, because they're like, Oshkosh, I've heard of Oshkosh. I don't know where I can pinpoint that. I've so heard if, of Oshkosh Bagash. Bam, Oshkosh Bagash. <laughs> so Oshkosh is an actual town in Wisconsin. It's up near uh, Lake, was it Wabisa? 
I think so. I'll be, All yeah. of this means nothing to anybody who's I know, not right? from Wisconsin. Uh, whatever, dude. Just get to the <laughs> Look point. Look up on Google Earth. You can totally find Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I swear it's not It's not fake. So there is a gaming convention at Oshkosh. UW0 is there known as because it's UWO, UW Oshkosh. Oh, yeah. But they usually call it UW0. I see. But anyways, it's a it's a game con. It's a lot of a lot of board games, but I've no I've run RPGs at that con before in the past. Um so that's coming October 9th to the 11th in Oshkosh. So if you're in the area, uh check them out for sure. Number dos. Hasbro, so the folks that are the uh makers of D&D and then like the wholly owned subsidiary of wizards, but Hasbro who owns like all the board games, American anyway, is holding a contest to design a party board game. So it's at Hasbro gaming lab.com link in the show notes. Um, you can submit your idea and become the board gaming design God chosen for Hasbro. I know some people have actually submitted uh, a couple of people. That on cool. Google Plus. Well, at least one was like, hey, submitted, done. I'm like, seriously? Yep. So um, if you're interested in busting out your board game chops for Hasbro, that's uh, a great opportunity to, to break in. Sweet. Yeah. I think that's it, man. That's all I got. That's it. I think the uh, the Blab beta here worked pretty well. You think so? You like it, Brett? It was interesting. It was nice to see. I like the the chat room. I was a little nervous about it there, especially when Kevin was on. There was a little worried he might get kind of crazy on me, but uh, not too bad. Yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> was pretty good. I was wondering how it would, uh, how how it you know how. how I think it, as we get our uh, arms wrapped around this thing, we can get a little more interactive with folks too. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I think we might do a bl- we may just do a blab and like an RPG blab where people we just rotate them in and out and talk about role playing games and maybe maybe we record it. So here's one thing that I did not do and I totally failed. Epic fail. Roll the one on my freaking podcast check. Standard Sean Kelly maneuver. I did not hit record in blab. So I did I hit record like when we started the like we were a few minutes into the actual topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll generate this. I asked a couple people how long this, like if we record the blab, how long that's yeah. good for. And it may be only 24 hours. It may be limited. I don't know. But if you, it doesn't matter because uh, we recorded this and you can find it at GamingNBS.com um, and it'll be launched on Tuesday at noon. Yeah. For podcatchers everywhere. For podcatchers everywhere. All right. And the closing music is done. That's okay. And that's all right. If any final words, Brett? No, I just also want to say a big thank you to our patrons, our utter BSers, Kev Thulu, Joe, and Jeff. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Always helps us get things nailed down. Yes. Thank you for supporting the show, those guys, for sure. And everybody supporting the show. Um, we appreciate it. So I will, uh, I, I queued up the outro again. Because I, Sweet. Think it, because I think it's cool. It sets a mood and a tone. It does. Anyways, moving on. Hey, if you find this interesting in the least, want people to find us on iTunes, the best way to do that is if you go to iTunes and leave us a review. Don't have to even write anything. Just pick a few stars or one star, four stars, and it'll it'll help us out dramatically. 
That's all I got to say. Brett, anything? I think we're good, man. All right. This is uh, Gaming and BS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all.